I want to talk to you today about the contrast uh, of two polarities, two extremes, the spirit of fear and the spirit of faith. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been freaked out in your life? I don't enjoy the horror movie genre because due to my sensitivities, when I was a kid, I couldn't differentiate fact from reality. So when I would watch one of these horror movies, it used to be black and white movies, you know, and my mom and dad would let us watch them and I'd come out like, you know, looking under the bed and all that stuff, you know. And, uh, and Kingston, the, the, the worship leader, red-haired guy, uh, back years back, um, <clears throat> Tolkien wrote The Lord of the Rings, you know, and um, the, actually the band Led Zeppelin loved Tolkien's writings. It was real popular in the 70s. Uh, Robert Plant loved it, you know, and that, so if it was good for the Led Zeppelin, I, w- I would be into it. But, um, but when I heard Tolkien was a Christian and he hung out with C.S. Lewis and they were in a group called the Inklings in, in London and they would meet at a pub and they would discuss uh, coming out of World War II and how... How, how depressed everybody was, how the French philosophers from Europe from World War I and II were becoming very dismissive about the things of God. If there's a God, why did, all this, why, did our, why did the world just become so dark and harsh? And there became a movement called the existentialist movement, and the, among other things, they were, they were uh, miserable, and, and life was empty, and, it was, and, and it's a spirit of the age. It's, it's uh, the spirit that now works on the sons of disobedience. It, and it's harsh, and it's, it's like it's cynical, and it's dark, and it's like, who cares? And it's apathetic, and it's weird. But not so in the kingdom of God or the culture of the kingdom of God. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And people like Lewis and people like Tolkien, Tolkien was from southern Africa. Uh, Lewis was from England, and they had an encounter with God late in life. And they're very intelligent guys, and they're, you know, they're literal uh, kind of literary scholars and writers, and they came to know the Lord. So Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and so forth, and it has redemption at its core. He, he couldn't hide it. And uh, so the movie came out, and I thought, well, it's going to be cool to eventually have my kids go see this, because we were reading the books to them growing up, and they were reading the books, uh, Chronicles of Narnia and all that. And Kingston was about eight years old, and he just kept begging, Dad, 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 please let me go to this movie. you got to let me go to... The ads were amazing. You know, the, the, the Lord of the Rings, you know, the orcs and all that stuff, it was like, wow. And I said, no, you're not going to go to the movie. No, no, no. Dad, 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 no. Somehow I succumbed. All right. I talked to his mom. I don't know. I don't think so. This looks a little rough. A lot of abrupt stuff. So, so we go to the movie theater. There's a dispute. I thought he was on my left side, but he thinks he was on my right side. But in any case, he was tucked up under my arm, and we were watching the movie. And whenever an abrupt, fear-based uh, scene came on, like the orcs coming out of the ground or something like that, he'd jerk. And I, and, and I had to hold him, and he, and he would just... And he started increasing, and he would jerk more and more, and he would hide his eyes. And then when... Uh, Bilbo Baggins saw the ring on Frodo's necklace, and he said, uh, I want the ring. And, and he said, no. And he went, give me the ring. And, he's, and you, got, you remember the computer-generated teeth and the eyes? It still freaks me out. He jerked, and when he jerked, it created a, 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 a sympathy jerk in me, and we were like, ooh, you know. And then his little sweet, 
his sweet little shaming voice said, you should not have taken me to this meeting. He shamed me to take him to the movie, then he shamed me for taking him to the movie. You, you can't make everybody happy. But I'll tell you what, the Bible says not to be afraid of sudden fear or of terror when it comes. The arrow by night, the terror by day. Uh, the devil is a terrorist and he uses fear as a tactic to, to cripple humanity, to alter our thinking. Where the Bible says, that, that where there's fear, there's torment, but that perfect love casts out fear. Now, I think there are mechanisms God put in us that, that that's, uh, trigger uh, adrenaline and cortisol and other chemicals so for the fight-or-flight response so we can, uh, you know, take action. And I think those things are uh, just part of our physiology. But I want to tell you, the devil comes in and capitalizes and uses Uh, fear to torment, to deceive, to rob us of our peace. And let's go look at 2 Timothy, the first chapter, and we'll read the first few verses, and I'll show you this contrast of the spirit of fear and the spirit of faith. And I want to show you this, and it's just so amazing. Paul is writing to his son Timothy. We'll look at the first few verses for context. Verse 1, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, who's writing this? Paul. Who is he writing to? And he's, he's at, he's, he, who, who is Timothy to him? His beloved son. This is a legitimate, godly protege in the faith. They had a wonderful relationship. If you read the biblical record, there was never a breach between these guys. They flowed together through the course. It's a beautiful example of fidelity, of trust, of commitment, of loyalty. And uh, similar to Joshua and Caleb with Moses. Joshua never left Moses' tent. Caleb and Joshua are always spoken of in a context, tethered to one another, uh, uh, support of each other. And he said, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. So he's writing this letter and he's saying, man, I pray for you often. I'm happy about who you are, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. So they really had a a commitment to one another. Verse 5, for I am mindful of the sincere faith. Everybody say sincere faith. So this is authentic. Uh, he, he, the, there's, there's the real deal. There's, there's hypocrisy, which is operating behind a mask, which we're all to avoid. But then there's the real sincere faith where we're to live it, and that's really what we aspire to. That's what we're pressing, we are to press toward. And he says, I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which also first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that it is in you as well. This is our goal, by the way, with Children's Church, is that for generations we keep instilling and downloading. The Bible says um, uh, older women are to teach their younger, the younger women how to love their husbands. Well, that's similar to uh, Paul teaching Timothy and, and, and the whole subject of discipleship. This thing is to be contagious, this sincere thing, and, uh, and, but not the spirit of, faith, of fear 
but the spirit of faith. And I want to talk to you about the spirit of faith and how God actually has given us the spirit of faith, but he has, look what it says here. He's not given us a spirit of fear. He says, for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh or stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Paul is saying to Timothy, you've got sincere faith. Keep it stirred up. Keep that sincerity, that authenticity, and that thing called faith as forefront in your life. And I think of the, the analogy of a fire. And we've come through the cold season. And so when you build a fire, you know, uh, in, in a fireplace, you have to stir it up. Um, in the words of Bob Marley, stir it up, little darlings. You got to stir it up. In the, words of, in the words of Paul the Apostle, stir it up. Look at somebody next to you and say, stir it up. Now, there, now, you can stir up a hornet's nest, and that's not what he's saying here. He's saying stir up the fire. And you could start out and be on fire. You could have a blazing fire, but you got to stir it up. And, and I'm, I'm kind of into the firekeeper thing at the house. I'll start it, and I'll tend to it, and I'll make sure I'll, I'll break it up till the, there's a bed of coals. And then when that happens, that thing's awesome, Right? At first, you know, you kindle it. I, I always gather twigs. I do this thing. And I'll, I'll get the paper bags from the grocery store, and I'll tear them up, and I'll use them for kindling. And I'll clear that thing out, and I'll set it up. I know how to build a fire. I was a Boy Scout, all right? And plus, I'm showing off in front of my wife, all right? So that's why I think I'm the, you know, the fire guy. So, um, but it'll, it, if you let it go, it'll, it'll sort of smother itself. Uh, ash starts to build and it starts to smother itself and it deprives the rest of the burning material of oxygen. So everybody say, stir it up. That's why he said, stir up the gift, kindle afresh, kindle it. You know, there's kindling, but you, how many of you know what I'm talking about with a fire? Okay. Thank you. This is a parallel for your spiritual life. God is a consuming fire. It says in, in Hebrews chapter 12, the last verse, and uh, he wants us to be on fire. Not like hyperzealous weirdos, but just uh, fervent, enthusiastic, intentional, right? With a, with a, with a, with a temperature, with, 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 you know, with where we're, we're radiant, right? And so you stir it up. So if you feel being po- poked upon, that's, that's my fireplace poker, and I'm stirring you up. Everybody say, stir it up. Little darlings, next time you listen to that Bob Marley song, it's going to never be the same. And um, next time you read this, read what he says about stir up the gift. And look what it says in the King James. Let's look at chapter uh, 1, verse 7 of 2 Timothy. Let's get on this now because I'm going to establish something to you that's profound. that will really help you. Look what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 in the King James. For, and let's read it out loud together. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Let's say it with conviction. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Listen, when I was a young child, I was watching television. I was alone in our living room in in, uh, Southern California. It was before... um, uh, remote control. We did have a control, but it was on a, on a, a cord. So that's where the around where it was, you know. And um, I was watching TV all alone, and a 
uh, public, uh, what, what do you call those when they're, public service announcement came on, and the very sophisticated voice, vo- voiceover actor, and the, with a very authoritative narrative voice, and uh, pictures uh, of very interesting graphics for about a 30-second commercial, informed society that in just a few years, we would, as a society, as humanity, would all run out of clean water, drinking water. And I was alone in my living room, and a fear hit me. A fear hit me. Because it was authoritative. It came through the television. It was a public, it was supported by the federal funds of taxpayer dollars. And so there were a lot of layers of credibility to it. And I bought into it. I believed it. And I turned the TV off, and I thought, oh, no. Everything's fallen apart in my lifetime. And, uh, you know, that never happened. And the reason it never happened is because it was a lie. And I don't know why they wanted to lie like that. I don't know why humanity loves to lie. The devil is the father of lies. And um, we have to deal with this. Because in addition to God not giving us a spirit of fear, uh, he, he is also the father of lights. The devil is the father of lies. And he's very, very skilled at operating in the system of lying. He doesn't, he doesn't embrace truth. He, he, he hates the truth. And, uh, but yet God desires truth in the inner man. God wants us to really line up with the truth. In fact, he, says, uh, to, he said to the disciples that believed in him, uh, he said, you'll, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. How many disciples believe in him today? Right here. Stir it up. Paul told Timothy, see, he was a disciple. He said, your, your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, I can tell it's in you too, and it's going to continue to go. I'll tell you, after I saw that commercial and fear jolted me, I'm telling you, I got freaked out. I thought the world was coming to an end. I thought the world was coming to an end. And then just 30 or so miles from where I live, Charles Manson gang killed a bunch of people, and it got up in the headspace of society. And you can see this kind of stuff. And the way the information age has come to bear down on our thinking, we, it makes sense. We have a moment in church where we open up our Bibles and get under good teaching and get stirred up and get our, uh, that, that I, I stir up your sincere minds by way of reminder. So today I, I am reminding you that God has not given you a spirit of fear. Listen, there's a gentleman who came to me. He had a doctor's appointment a few days before this meeting. He was sitting on the front row. He came and he talked to me after the last service. And he said, I had a diagnosis of this particular situation. They told me it could be fatal. I talked to my kids about it. It it became a thing. He said, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. And he said, I had to get back to remembering that who I am in Christ and what he has provided for me. This is a man who's been walking with God for a long time. But the smothering, dampening effects of a bad report came and tried to seize him. And so he got that because God's not given him a spirit of fear and he had to make some, he had to really work at it. And he did and he said, I got, I, I got, I got to sleep, I got to rest. And, I, and this is why, I, here is, here's why I'm preaching what I'm preaching to you. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And since he's not given it to us, we're not required to accept it. And there's so many verses that say, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I, I, I'm your God. 
I'll support you. I'll be there for you, right? And it is not an empty bunch of talk. He, talk is cheap uh, in, in a certain sense. But when God talks, it's not cheap. It's backed up by heaven itself, right? And in fact, I want to go to this next verse to show you the contrast. I want to get this over to you to equip you in your thought processes, in your marriages, with your kids, with symptoms, with your physical health, with society, with the finances that are going on, with, with Russia in between uh, Norway and Scotland and their submarines and all the stuff we're hearing. We, we've got a you know, the, the post-George Floyd uh, riots and all the issues and all the attitudes, the, 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 the convoluted morality um, warpage that's trying to come on society. It's like, what do we do? How do we live? Well, the righteous shall live by faith. And faith is the opposite of fear. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it, and I should read it all in context to you, but I don't have time to. You could read the chapter It talks about we have this ministry, we don't lose heart. He said if people don't believe, though, the God of this world is blind to the minds of the unbelieving. That's the devil who's a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. That's the one who antagonizes us. That's the one who picks at our kids and tries to mess with our thinking processes and take any season of our life and try to get in and get a toehold. And my preaching is to tear that toehold out and get you firmly persuaded on the promises of the scriptures, right? And 2 Corinthians 4, look what it says in in verse 13. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. But having the spirit of faith, having the spirit of faith. Did you hear that? God's not given us the spirit of fear, but he has given a spirit of faith. Having a spirit of faith. It's not just a philosophy. It's not just a a belief uh, bias. It's actually a vibrant way to live. Say, I have a spirit of faith. Look what it says here. It says, having the same spirit of faith, and that the sameness of it is what Paul and Timothy had talked about, what Moses and Joshua and Caleb had that got uh, Moses up on the mountain to get the law, and then Joshua and Caleb after Moses' death to be the only of their generation to go across into the promised land and obtain. And uh, this is really what we want today, right? We want results. But having the same spirit of faith According to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. Boy, this is there's a mouthful there, no pun intended. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Our movement, the Christian movement, uh, uh, among many things, is called the confessional movement because it starts with speaking. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. That's, that's assuring, isn't it? I think about my lostness as a, as a, as a teenager without any underpinnings. Just, just floating through the, the nebulousness and the ambiguity of, of, of a fallen society. And the fast-paced changes and the insecurity it produced. I had a bona fide terminal case of identity crisis. I was lost. And the reason I'm up here with this passion and the reason I'm adamant about this is not because I've become a professional clergyman. It's because I was lost and I got saved. Plus, I've been delivered from death so many times that I feel like I'm alive from the dead. I mean, it's amazing. And and the, the, the testimonies 
are, are just, it's evident to me that God just has such a great plan. And that the idea that God's not given us the spirit of fear will help us through things. I had a guy give me a diagnosis that jolted me, and it took me about a month of locking myself into a room and meditating on the scriptures to get out of how. And the guy manipulated me and sowed bad seed in me. He knew what he was doing. He had a, but enough credibility. He was, a, he was a, a, you know, a... Uh, educated medical doctor plus he was a research type guy and he did it another doctor warned me about it and they did it and and in a test to try to manipulate me so they could get some students to to do a a test on me and they came up with this to manipulate me and put me in a fear situation uh and and it was like crafty it was crafty and i want to warn people in the church to watch out for that and uh, it uh, messed with me. I mean, I, had to, I took my family out there by the trees over there by the playground, and we sat on the table right out that window. And I just had to let them know I had a diagnosis. And, I, and Steve, the guy that just received the offering, he looked at me and said, by his stripes, you were healed. And I just, that was like a voice of stability, you know. It's good to have your original kids and then the addition kids. When the original kids, they're on point, and the additional kids, it's just a help. It's a help when they're full of faith, right? That's why Paul said about Timothy, you know, I know that this is in your grandma Lois and in your mom Eunice. I know it's in you. And, I, and I'm telling you, this is transferable. So is the spirit of fear. Now, we don't have a lot of time, and I'm almost out of time. I got tested. I got scans. I got, and the doctor said, "You're not going to die from this. It's okay." And we had all my family in the room because uh, my my general practitioner told me to. We had like I don't know eight nine people in the room, and the doctor came and was like, "Whoa!" And, this, and it was like, "You just got you just got manipulated, buddy, by the system." You know, and I was like, "Wow!" But boy, I had to meditate. I found another pastor who had a, a bad diagnosis and how he fought through it and his faith inspired my faith and got me through it. And I had to get that spirit of fear off of me. Well, so I had a procedure that caused a blood clot to, to form in, in uh, one of my, my veins, and it traveled well, uh, into my lung, actually, while I was preaching. And it got up, in, and I felt I went home to take a nap, and I had terrible pain in my chest. And I told my wife, I said, I don't feel like myself. I felt... I felt really weird. And then we had to catch a flight the next day. We had a prayer meeting, and I, I asked my brother to lay hands on me because I couldn't even lead the prayer meeting. I couldn't even stand. This is unrelated to this. This is separate from that. This is another thing. Everybody say this is another thing. Okay? I don't want to mix my stories, but I'm going to tell you the outcome was, and things were different based on the spirit of faith. I had my brother lay hands on me. Patsy led the prayer meeting. We went home. We got up at 4 in the morning to catch a flight to go do the uh, meetings for Third Tuesday in California. We got there. I said, Patsy, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. And I felt like somebody was stabbing me in the, in the chest with a sword. And it, it would jolt me. I, it knocked me off my feet once I fell down. And, I, and she said, well, we better go to the doctor. So we went to UCLA um, Medical Center, and there was this long, long line, and, and the, they triage you, you know, and they... They, they, they called me after about an hour and 45 minutes, and then, um, you know, I went in there, and then they, they did x-rays, and they put me in a gurney in a bed in the hallway. 
Because they didn't have any room in there. So I'm laying in the hallway. It's like, hey, people are walking by. and say, hey, what's up, man? Hey, you know, they're wheeling people. I got, you know, it's in different stages and stuff. It's like, hey, bro, God bless. Hey, just keep pressing on. It's like, they can't even hear me, you know. And, uh, you know, just keep that cover off your face. Don't let them cover your face. Just press on. It was like, it was like right there. It's like, it's like, boy, that's encouraging. I'm in the right place. So this, uh, this, this uh, radiologist comes out, and she said, have you ever had a, a, an accident? I said, well, yeah. So he says, you, yeah. Oh, do, do your ribs? I said, yeah. And I, she said, oh, okay, because, yeah, you had broken ribs. I knew it. Because when I had the boat wreck, I said, I think I have broken ribs. Oh, no, you don't have broken ribs. So you just got to gotta take it, be in charge of your own health care. I knew, I told you I had broken ribs. And then this guy comes in like Doogie Howser, Southern California. And he comes in and he goes, he goes, Mr. Perry? Yeah. He goes, dude, you have, you have blood clots. He literally said, dude. He started with dude. He goes, you can't leave. I'm checking you in right now. This is serious. And I was like, oh, what? Okay. Only this time, everybody say this time. This time. I had prepared like I'm preparing you. Say this with me. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Now say this. Since we have the same spirit of faith, I believe, therefore I speak. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Can I tell you, fear is contagious as well as faith is contagious? Can I tell you our famous beloved verse, Romans 10, 17? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Fear also comes the same way. When I saw that, that, that uh, news uh, thing about the water, I actually believed that. So now, when I hear 50,000 things of people saying the world's going to end in 11 years, things like that, I say, you're full of bull. I learned my lesson. I learned, you got to consider the source. If it's a credible source, you pay attention to it. If there's manipulation and lies, you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. So you're not, you're not engaged in a a conspiratorial manipulation, because I'm telling you, the devil has conspired against humanity to try to bring us down because he hates God, and we're made in his image, and that's why he's trying to mess with humanity. He has no hope of redemption, and that's why he's trying to hassle you and me, because by the grace of God, he has invited us in to have an eternal relationship with him, right? Say this with me. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. See, this will stir the fire up so that you get a good bed of coals and you just add, as you continue to add logs to the fire, it'll keep it burning. I mean, I've burned fires for 12 hours a day on these cold, cold winter months and just studied and prayed and spent time with the family and family would come in and they'd get up near it and I'd say, get out of the way, you're blocking the heat, all that stuff. But man, don't you want that to happen in churches? Get out of the way, we want the Holy Spirit, we want more of the fire, come on, right? And don't you want to have your, your fire radiant where people want to come up and say, well, I don't know what's about you, but I want what you have. See, when I got that bad report and I wasn't in a good place, as good a place, I was, t- I was blindsided by it. 
I had to find, I found somebody that had been through some stuff and just was going on, and what it was was just scripture after scripture, and I locked myself in the room, and I, I, it was weird. My, my family will tell you, it was weird. When the flood hit years in 93, it was weird. I had mind-numbing fear, like what? And, and, but yet I knew this is not from God. This is just a flood because it's a flood plain and the levee broke and it's raining and they probably should build on higher ground. But since they did, here we are, so whatever. And it's like, but I do know God's going to see us through this. Say this with me. Since I have the same spirit of faith, I speak thusly. You know, we speak to our mountains, be removed. We look in the mirror and say, I'm a new creature in Christ. Lord, I, I thank you for your mercy. You forgive me of my sin. I'm going to stay tender and obedient before you from here on out. No hypocrisy. I'm going to be sincere. This is going to be real. How many of you want to have authentic faith? Yes, you do. And we're coming into Easter in a couple of weeks, and we need to intercept thousands of souls that need what Jesus has done for them. And we need to understand and make this delineation. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given me a spirit of faith. Now, it doesn't, we don't deny our circumstances. We just don't get agitated with terror and with dread and with foreboding and with nervous tension and insecurity and all that it produces. We get over in a place. In fact, let's all stand up on our feet. We get in a place. Having done all to stand, we stand. And if we stand for something, we won't fall for everything. If we stand on the solid ground of who Jesus is, And we realize he suffered and died on Calvary so we could live and have a relationship with God and that it not be dominated by a spirit of fear. Fear has torment and it'll blast your brain. During the flood, my mind got numb. I had to go three hours in prayer in my backyard. Maybe it had only taken you 10 or 20 minutes. For me, I was a hard case. And I walked and I prayed. It had to go through the numbness and the shock. I mean, when I got in that boat wreck and I was in the helicopter with my friend and blood was all filled up in his oxygen mask and he was close to death. They said within a few minutes of death. I was laying there in my own personal pain and yet I knew how to pray. While we were in the boat, I was speaking the word and commanded the devil to flee and speaking to the mountain. Not because I'm Mr. Spiritual, but because I'm desperate and I needed God's help and I know where to go in desperate situations. Desperate times demand diligent people. And God, since God has called you out of darkness, and since God has put his hand on you, and since God has put his word in you, take your stand and say, God, since you've given me that spirit of faith, uh, we we believe, therefore we speak. I believe, therefore I speak. See, this is what we do. And it's like, really? It's about speaking God's word over your situation? Yes, we speak to the mountain and command it to be removed. We speak to the lost and tell them about Jesus and tell them about salvation. We speak to discouraged people and tell them there's hope. Don't give up. Don't think about suicide. Don't think about quitting. We tell married people, just stay with it, man. We headbutted for the first 10 years. You just keep going. Just just, just don't headbutt as much. Just kind of learn. I, I walk in people through this because I want to see people stay married. I want to see kids get on track with God. I want to see lost people get saved, right? And I want to see the church of the Lord Jesus in a revival where they're on fire with the truths of God's word, going forth with joy, making an appeal that people will come to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah.